Norman, what was the uh, the worst time you've ever spent in an editing room? Uh, well, no, 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 don't don't say. Uh, just I want you to get right to the answer. Uh, no, faster. Like, like no, 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 this? too fast. Just just add a beat. In fact, add two beats. And that pretty much feels like my worst day ever in the editing room. We're going to talk about better communication between editor, director, and producer on today's Two Real Guys. Welcome back to Two Real Guys. I'm Norman Holland. And I'm Larry Jordan. When editors get together to complain. Oh, we never do that. When editors get together to tell stories, is that better? Yeah, I like that. One of the most frequent issues they have is working with other members of the creative team during editing. And, and here, Norman and I have discovered that we have significantly different points of view. Yeah, from my point of view, uh, when I'm working on a feature film, editors often describe a uh, unhelpful director or producer using the phrase, he wants me to be a pair of hands. A what? A pair of hands. That is, directors or producers who tell their editors to remove three frames here or add one second here. In other words, it's when they treat their editors as simple tools instead of collaborators. Right. They editors are powerfully creative people, really. I, I think so. Uh, if you're telling them exactly what to do, then they don't get to collaborate and they get really cranky. And here's where the difference of opinion occurs because my background is in live production where there just isn't the time to let an editor get their head wrapped around a particular subject. I've got to get this stuff on the air 15, 20, 30 minutes after it's been shot. But we're not as far apart as you think we are. But um, it's, we're about two feet apart. Um, but really it all comes from when we don't allow editors to collaborate, it, it's like a phenomenal waste of their talent. I find that the directors and producers get much better films if they let their editors have their own ideas. It gets their creative juices flowing if they have someone to bounce ideas back and forth off of. Right? A phrase like, um, can we get off of that shot before he lifts his mouth is more helpful to me than saying, uh, cut three frames. What is helpful to me is a discussion about the timing, not just the process. And I often tell new filmmakers that the editor's job is to crawl up inside the director's head, as scary as that may be, right? <laughs> um, to crawl up in there. And the director's job is to let the editor do that, uh, no matter how scary that might be. See, as a director, a show, any show, is very, very clear to me. I can see how it flows and what it looks like. It never ceases to amaze me that other people can't see those images as clearly as I can. On the other hand, I've discovered that it helps if I spend time telling them about what I see rather than making them guess, because if it's in my head, it doesn't necessarily exist in anybody else's head. So what does this particular show, this episode that we're doing right now, mean to you as the director? You know, as I was reading the script, the thing that came clearly to mind was that it's all about collaboration. Now, you can be a really creative director, and if you do all the work yourself, you may end up with a really interesting program. But what really makes the benefit is if you listen to a lot of other people, and as a team, you compile ideas. You, you collaborate on ideas, because that improves the overall creativity and, and almost always improves the program itself. Even in that explanation, I learned something about what you think this episode is. It's about collaboration. This is what you want the audience to take away from it by the time they 
press stop, which hopefully isn't now. <laughs> they press stop on, on the YouTube button, right? So talking through the story is a good way to get into the director's head. Uh, back uh, in season one, in the first episode, we talked about something called the log line that's often helpful for this. Yeah, for instance, like this commercial is a, about a soda that is so dangerous and so different that a waiter in a restaurant has to comically fight off four ninjas to be able to successfully deliver the soda to the couple sitting at the table. Then he turns around and the ninjas are circling the table where the soda has been served and the waiter realizing that he could not risk his life twice gives up and lets the couple fend for themselves. That is a log line. That's a pretty good log Boom, line. It's a smoking log I line. I might want to make it a little shorter, but hey. It wouldn't have as much drama. You are who you are, right? <laughs> um, yeah, but why that's great mm -hmm. is I learned from that description that the waiter is the person who will be following in this spot, the one who's going to pull the audience through the story. Um, so if I'm wondering where to use the first close-up in the piece, it's going to be the waiter, right? I know that it's his reactions uh, and his uh, movement that's going to sell the story, sell the comedy, all the way through the end. This means that I may want to end the commercial, for instance, on a shot of his reaction to the ninjas rather than the ninjas themselves. I also know, um, uh, because of the word successfully, Right, that he could do it, that there will be a big moment when he finally arrives at the table. See, what I think is really important is two things that you said, which is the person who gets the first close-up is the star of that scene, and the person who gets the last close-up is the emotional payoff for that scene. These observations, just simply based on what you told me, uh, helped me to edit the spot, since, as we learned last season, the most effective way to suck an audience into our story is to change something at those lean-forward moments. So what are some ways that, that we can help the editor understand all this as well as we do? For a director who's open to it, I often come up with like this memo that goes through every scene in the film from my point of view. So I'll say things like, uh, this scene for me contains a moment when Rena realizes that she can no longer trust Dustin to give her correct information on the escaped convict. Yeah, but. I've now gotten, I'm the director, you're the editor, I've gotten this memo from you and I disagree with several of your conclusions. That's great. In fact, that's what I want to know. The director doesn't always have to say, that's right to me. Uh, sometimes they may say, you know, that's the dumbest idea I've ever heard. <laughs> um, I don't care about that. Just as long as I get a glimpse of what's important to them and what's right and wrong for them. That's what I mean by crawling up inside their head. But see, here's the problem that I, I mentioned at the beginning, Norman. On many of the shoots that I've done for news, talk shows, or real fast turnaround events, I don't have time for the editor to get their brain wrapped around all this stuff. I desperately need to get this stuff on the air. Yeah, these hints really work best when there's time to craft something. Uh, in other words, when you know that you're going to have time for a second cut or a third cut, maybe even more. See, that's exactly the point. I often simply have to tell my editor, use this sound bite, then cut to this B-roll and cut to this B-roll, and for heaven's sakes, will you do it faster because the, the clock is ticking. Go back to this final sound bite and then wrap it all up, put a fade to black at the end, and you're done. Ah, uh, yeah, but, but look at what you're doing here, right? We're not as far apart uh, as we're distant, think, right? distant apart. You're not saying cut on this frame. You're telling the editor the shape of what you have in mind, uh, not exactly how to do it. So a really good editor, and I'm going to trust you work with only the top editors, um, this is really sometimes all they need in order to bring their own flavor to the story, where I cut out of something, even within the structure you've set up. Hmm.
And this leads to another suggestion on how you can communicate with your editor. Use concrete examples. Directors and showrunners will often give visual samples to their DPs and production designers as a, a lookbook to suggest right. color palettes or camera work. This is not about copying existing work, so we're still going to be able to put all of our own artistry in it. It's about helping the editor feel and to understand what your vision as a director is for your own work. It's about getting to a language that you both understand. Uh, finally, uh, the editor needs to feel safe, um, that he or she can recommend something different or risky. Without getting fired. A good thing. <laughs> and this leads to an important fact for editors. It's not your movie. You can get in there and pitch an idea as fervently as you want, but if you're shot down, that's it. You can't mope about it. Right. A few editors who I know have something that uh, I call the three-time rule. So basically this means that an editor can pitch their own idea up to three different times. And if the director or the producer vetoes it all three times, then give it up. Editor, move past it, right? Uh, of course, you never know, and this is the cool thing, you never know how that idea might resurface in another way. But honestly, editors don't do themselves any good by holding on to old, rejected concepts. Old, rejected concepts. That's how I feel right now. <laughs> we'll be back with a tip right after this. The exchange of ideas that makes shaping a film so valuable, that's the key to successful editing of a film. It's so much harder to do this when you edit your own project. So whenever possible, please don't edit your own film. Search for an editor who will understand what you want to do and who's willing to come up with a ton of ideas on how to get there. The best communication between the producer, the director, the production team, and the cast occurs when everybody understands the core values in a story. And the only way they do that is when you collaborate as a team. All right, it's the only way they can bring their own artistic vision to those ideas. No one makes a good film alone. I'm Norman Holland. He's Larry Jordan. Thanks for watching Two Real Guys. Mm -hmm.